Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 1. That which hath been the word of Jehovah unto Jeremiah the prophet concerning the nations. 2. For Egypt concerning the force of Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, that hath been by the river Frat, in Karshemish, that Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon hath smitten, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. This chapter also is going back in time to when King Jehoiakim was king, and that was the second king of Judah that Jeremiah served under. First he served under King Josiah, and then King Jehoiakim, and then King Jehoiachim, and then King Zedekiah, who was the last king of Judah. King Jehoiakim was a puppet king who was installed by Pharaoh Necho of Egypt. So Pharaoh had a little bit of control over Judah that way. But as punishment, the Lord caused Pharaoh Necho to be defeated by the Babylonians on Babylonian territory in the area of what we call Turkey and Syria today, and it was an area called Karchemish back then. At one point, the Lord had used Pharaoh Necho to punish King Josiah for King Josiah's sins. But then later on, the Lord punished Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, for the Pharaoh's sins. And the Lord does this all the time. He'll use the pagans to punish his own people for their sins first, and then after his people are punished, then he'll punish the pagans because they were always sinning. Every pharaoh of Egypt was a pagan and worshipped false idols. This is a prophecy about the battle that Pharaoh fought with King Nebuchadnezzar in which Pharaoh Necho lost. 3. Set ye in array, shield and buckler, and draw nigh to battle. 4. Gird the horses, and go up, ye horsemen, and station yourselves with helmets, polish the javelins, put on the coats of mail. This is almost a mocking statement toward Pharaoh's soldiers, telling them to get ready for battle, to put on their armor, and get all polished up and ready, and get on their horses. 5. Wherefore have I seen them dismayed? They are turned backward, and their mighty ones are beaten down, and to a refuge they have fled, and not turned the face. Fear is round about an affirmation of Jehovah. Jeremiah says the Lord is showing him a vision that Pharaoh's army will be destroyed. They will have to retreat because their enemies will be too strong for them. 6. The swift do not flee, nor do the mighty escape. Northward, by the side of the river Frat, they have stumbled and fallen. The river Frat, that's a nickname for the river Euphrates, and that's where this battle is going to take place. Euphrates is one of the four rivers that flowed out of Eden when God created the Garden of Eden. All of those rivers seem to be coming out of the Red Sea today, so some people suppose that the Garden of Eden was actually flooded by what we call the Persian Gulf today, and that's why nobody can find the Garden of Eden. 
This says that some of Pharaoh's army will die on the north side of the battle, which is near the river Euphrates. 7. Who is this? As a flood he cometh up, as rivers do his waters shake themselves. 8. Egypt as a flood cometh up, and as rivers the waters shake themselves. And he saith, I go up, I cover the land, I destroy the city and the inhabitants in it. This must be the city or the area of Karshemish that Pharaoh Necho thought he could destroy by sending his army in a rampage against that area. 9. Go up, ye horses, and boast yourselves, ye chariots, and go forth, ye mighty, cush and put, handling the shield, and lewd, handling, treading the bow. Cush is the Ethiopians, and probably Lud is the Libyans. Pharaoh's army had other soldiers working with it as well, who could have been hired to fight with Pharaoh, or they could have been in some sort of enslavement where they had to fight with Pharaoh's army. I'm not sure what, but this verse is mentioning that Pharaoh's army includes people from other lands. 10. And that day is to the Lord Jehovah of hosts, a day of vengeance, to be avenged of his adversaries, and the sword hath devoured, and been satisfied, and it hath been watered from their blood, for a sacrifice is to the Lord Jehovah of hosts, in the land of the north, by the river Frat. This land of the north is in Turkey, Syria, that area. It is on Babylonian territory. The river Euphrates is north of Israel, and so is Turkey and Syria. It's also north of Egypt as well. And here is a metaphor about the sword actually drinking the blood of those that it kills. This is the sword of the Babylonians. In pride, Pharaoh Necho went up out of his own land into Babylonian territory, thinking that he could conquer the Babylonians, but the opposite is happening. They are defeating him. 11. Go up to Gilead and take balm, O virgin daughter of Egypt. In vain thou hast multiplied medicines, healing there is none for thee. The Lord had said the same thing to the Israelites when he was punishing them. He told them that there would be no healing for them. And this is because they wouldn't repent of their sins. And the Egyptians never repented of their paganism either. So the Lord says, you won't be healed from this battle. You won't recover from it. And this battle was the last great failure of Pharaoh Necho. 12. Nations have heard of thy shame, and thy cry hath filled the land. For the mighty on the mighty did stumble, together they have fallen, both of them. Pharaoh's most mighty soldiers are falling and stumbling and losing the battle, and the whole world will know Pharaoh Necho's shame. And even to this day, archaeologists and historians acknowledge that Pharaoh Necho had a serious defeat in Karchemish. 13. The word that Jehovah hath spoken unto Jeremiah the prophet concerning the coming in of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon to smite the land of Egypt. This is a prophecy because when Jeremiah spoke it, it had not happened yet. 14. Declare ye in Egypt, and sound in Migdol, yea, sound in Naph, 
and in Tepanese, say, Station thyself, yea, prepare for thee, for a sword hath devoured around thee. Remember earlier in the book of Jeremiah, the Lord told Jeremiah that he was going to prophesy to many nations. So here he's prophesying to all these cities, Migdol, Tepanese, and Naph in Egypt. He's telling them that the sword is going to devour their soldiers. 15. Wherefore hath thy bull been swept away? He hath not stood, because Jehovah thrust him away. The Egyptians did worship the bull, and they have this emblem that has a bull horns with a sun in the center, and that was one of their gods. It was actually the sun god, but it had bull horns in its emblem, and pagans and Satanists still use this same emblem today, which is a god or a goddess that has the emblem of a sun and bull horns. This same god is Baal, who is the god of child sacrifice and abortions today. 16. He hath multiplied the stumbling, yea, one hath fallen upon his neighbor, and they say, Rise, and we turn back to our people, and unto the land of our birth, because of the oppressing sword. This is saying that the soldiers will retreat and try to run back to Egypt. 17. They have cried there, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is a desolation, passed by hath the appointed time. Pharaoh Necho's time of triumph is over, and his career as Pharaoh ended in humiliation because the last thing he did was lose miserably against the Babylonians. 18. I live, an affirmation of the king, Jehovah of hosts is his name. Surely as Tabor is among mountains, and as Carmel by the sea, he cometh in. Carmel and Tabor are places in Israel, and the Lord says that he is the king, and Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. He also says he is the lord of angel armies, and there's no pagan god that even attempts to claim that title. And he says that he is coming. And King Jesus is coming, and at that time was coming. 19. Goods for removal make for thee, O inhabitant, daughter of Egypt. For Noph becometh a desolation, and hath been burnt up without inhabitant. Noph is a place in Egypt, and he says that it will be burned down. When he calls Egypt or Israel a daughter, what he's saying is that it is a lot of people, because in the Bible and in all of literature, every single book you ever read, even if the author didn't realize it when they wrote it, female always means many, and male always means one. And that's why God is male, because God is one. He's one of a kind, there's nobody like him. And male represents leadership, and female represents submission. The pagans have many gods, and that's why a lot of their gods are goddesses. They believe in many gods. So their gods are not one. There is no head. It's one god fighting against the other, just like in Greek mythology. They can't agree on anything. They're always at war with each other. But the one true god is one. He is male, and he is one, and he is the leader of the entire universe and he doesn't fight with himself. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together in perfect harmony and perfect agreement, and that's why he is one. When he's calling Egypt a daughter, he's saying that Egypt is many people. 20. A heifer, very fair is Egypt, rending from the north doth come into her. The Lord calls Egypt a beautiful cow, which is actually a compliment because cows are valuable. They provide a lot of food to a lot of people in different ways. He says that Egypt has a lot of wealth, but it's going to be torn from the north. The north is Babylon, so Babylon is going to tear Egypt. 21. Even her hired ones in her midst are as calves of the stall, for even they have turned, they have fled together, they have not stood, for the day of their calamity hath come on them, the time of their inspection. Inspection is when the Lord looks at us and decides what he's going to do with us. Inspection is when we are judged by the Lord. And the Lord says that he is going to judge Egypt and even the hired people in Egypt, even the servants of Egypt and the foreigners who live there, even the mercenary soldiers who work for Egypt's army will be judged and they'll run like calves. 22. Its voice as a serpent goeth on, for with a force they go, and with axes they have come into her as hewers of trees. The Babylonians are going to chop Egypt down. They are going to take trees. When an invading army attacks a land, they try to destroy resources like trees. 23. They have cut down her forest, an affirmation of Jehovah, for it is not searched, for they have been more than the grasshopper, and they have no numbering. You can't count grasshoppers because they come in the hundreds, the thousands, and when they turn into locusts, they could be in the millions or maybe even the billions. The Lord is saying that Babylon will come into Egypt like locust and chop the forest down. That will be a huge resource that Egypt loses. 24. Ashamed hath been the daughter of Egypt. She hath been given into the hand of the people of the north. This means that the Babylonians will even be able to capture some Egyptians and take them as slaves. And again it calls Egypt a daughter, because she is many people. 25. Said hath Jehovah of hosts, God of Israel, Lo, I am seen after Ammon of No, and after Pharaoh, and after Egypt, and after her gods, and after her kings, and after Pharaoh, and after those trusting in him. The Lord is going to judge the people, the gods of Egypt, and the kings of Egypt, so everyone is going to get judged. Why would God judge a false god if it isn't real? Well, it isn't real in the sense of being a god, but the worship of false gods is overseen by demons, so the Lord is going to judge the demons of that land. 26. And I have given them into the hand of those seeking their life, and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, and into the hand of his servants, and afterwards it is inhabited, as in days of old, an affirmation of Jehovah. The Lord attacked Egypt many times in history, but he never wiped it out as a nation. So even here he's saying, after the Babylonians attack Egypt, it will still remain a nation. Just as it did when it was destroyed by the Lord 
when the Israelites left in Moses' time, Egypt was completely destroyed when they walked out. However, the Lord allowed them to remain a nation and to rebuild themselves. Even to this day, Egypt is still surviving. So the Lord cares about Egypt, even though Egypt has always been a pagan nation, but he cares enough about Egypt to allow it to continue being a country. 27. And thou, thou dost not fear, my servant Jacob, nor art thou dismayed, O Israel. For lo, I am saving thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob hath turned back, and hath been at rest, and been at ease, and there is none disturbing. The Lord made a promise to Israel that he would restore Israel from the oppression of the Egyptians. This was happening probably during Zedekiah's time, but then because of King Zedekiah's sin, he lost Judah to the Babylonians and the Chaldeans. Even when the Lord makes us a promise, our own sin can nix that promise. And even when the Lord promises to punish us, our own repentance can cause him to change his mind and decide not to punish us anymore. Absolutely, it is part of the Christian life to fear the Lord because he's God and we have every reason to fear him. He created us and he can destroy us in an instant. That's the kind of God who can save us as well. He's a God worthy of fear and a God worthy of worship because not only can he destroy, but he can also save. 28. Thou, thou dost not fear my servant Jacob. He's saying you don't have to fear the world or Egypt. An affirmation of Jehovah. For with thee I am. For I make an end of all the nations whither I have driven thee. And of thee I do not make an end. And I have reproved thee in judgment. And do not entirely acquit thee. This is a promise that the Lord has made several times. We read it earlier in the book of Jeremiah, and it's also been in some other books, where he says, ultimately, in the end of time, I'm going to destroy all the nations, but you, Israel, will always remain. Yet, I will not entirely acquit you. And that means I'm not going to 100% forgive you. And this is because Israel has never, as a nation to date, believed that Jesus is the Son of God. That's why Israel can never be fully acquitted until it worships Jesus as God and Savior. There is coming a day when Israel will believe in Jesus, and that is in the end times. We'll read more about that when we get to the book of Zechariah. And that concludes Jeremiah chapter 46.